The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. Let's meet our panelists. Bob Reed is here, principal at broadwaystrategy.com, the guy who created Touchdowns and Fumbles, which you hear on Jerry's show on Fridays. Pavan Brach is here, serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development, also a part-time farmer. He's a busy guy. Laura Babcock from Power Group Communications, host of The O Show. Good morning to everyone. Let's actually start with uh, something we heard a lot more about on our show in less than an hour ago, because Olivia Chow, mayor of Toronto, was in our studios to talk about this program where the feds are going to pony up $1.2 billion to be used as low interest um, loans in order for developers and the city to be able to build rental units. It's a drop in the bucket, but it's progress. Pavan, what do you think? Yeah, it is a drop in the bucket. That You know, I love how we treat the people like Christian Freeland that, frankly, are causing the problems uh, by way of inflation and, uh, and and therefore driving our interest rates and killing construction and new home construction. And then they show up and kind of hand out this this billion dollars, apparently, that uh, that's supposed to help us. It really it, it is a drop in the bucket and it's it's way down the road in terms of its impact. And this is this is the government that's spending a billion dollars just on renovating the Supreme Court building. So we have to remember that. But this the issue really is that the the monies are being freed up really through an existing program at the CMHC. And the CMHC is a federal organization that gives out money at lower interest rates to to encourage uh, development. And that's part of what they do. That's not all that they do. And the the wait lists, you know, at CMHC for for people who would legitimately want to build rental housing just to apply for a loan uh, through this organization is six to 12 months. So the system is completely broken. And what she could do that would really make a big difference in uh, in Ontario and in Canada is to fix the CMHC. She's increased our payroll, our staff by 52% federally, but yet these guys can't process uh, a permit. And the other thing I would say, John, is that, you know, if you look at Hamilton, they've got 1,700 units that are sitting vacant right now in affordable housing. And the reason is because those units were destroyed by the people that occupied them. So we, we do have to take a holistic look at what we're doing here because it's no use spending billions and then and then not really having a system to prevent that kind of thing from happening down the road and, and leaving them sitting there empty. Okay, you've been doing a lot of thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Reed, what say you? I mean, the mayor laid out a very ambitious and somewhat persuasive strategy, but then I've heard a lot of strategy in the past that never amounted to anything. Right, but uh, I, I think this is going remarkably well for Olivia Chow because she came into office uh, with with housing front and center as the the top of her priority list, and in not very long, not a very long period of time, uh, she's getting results. And I, I take Pavin's point that yeah, it is a drop in the bucket in the grand scheme of things, but at least something is getting done. At least we're seeing some uh, some creative thinking, some different approaches that will actually get some units on the market and help deal with with the crunch in in the, in the amount of supply of, of affordable housing. So even though it may not be a great number of units, it's uh, it is progress. It's it's something moving forward, and it's darn smart politics for Olivia Chow. Laura Babcock, I saw the announcement yesterday from the finance minister, and I thought, okay, that's interesting. And then the mayor's office called and said the mayor would like to appear on your show. And I thought, okay, does that mean this is a bigger deal than I thought? What, what do you say? 
Well, I think that they're two separate issues. I think federally, the Trudeau government hasn't done enough on the national housing strategy. They're starting to pump money into municipalities, but I don't want to hear announcements about just access to more low financing as being some sort of major, major achievement. If you look at the poll numbers right now, there's projections that the Conservatives could have a majority of seats across this country. Uh, Trudeau and Christia have to do a heck of a lot more than these announcements. Now, that being said, I think Olivia Chow is quite brilliant on this, to Bob's point. The fact that she came out with a bold strategy for 65,000 houses, the fact that she's talking about 17 or rental units, that 17,000 of them will be through this program ready within three years is what I heard her say to you, John. That is significant. Sure, it's not fixing the whole problem, but we have to stop making perfection the enemy of getting things done. She's starting. She said there would be obstacles to this program. She said she needs more partners. She needs more funding from the feds and the province. But at least she is looking at a multi-pronged solution that is multi-sectoral. There's, she said there's private, there's charities, and, you know, all hands on deck were her words to you this morning. And I, I laud that not just because she is moving an issue forward quickly, but that she sets the tone for mayors in other cities to, to, to dream bigger, to state higher, to make their moonshot on this housing crisis. We just did a no-show special on housing and homelessness, and I can tell you, you know, Pavin talked about some of those those units in Hamilton housing that have to be retrofitted, sure, but there's been a wait list since I've been in Hamilton of like five, six, seven, eight thousand, or at least since I've been on this topic, of people waiting to get affordable housing. And I think I heard Olivia Chow say there's what, you know, 60,000 people waiting in Toronto for affordable housing. I think housing she said 80,000. 80,000 and all that effects. I mean, she she was brilliant this morning um, because she talked about all of the societal effects of waiting for housing, being jumped from apartment to apartment and not having good social relationships built and all these things. You know, so I thought it was a really holistic view from Olivia on this, much better than the federal government just, you know, touting these, these low financing options. And one last final point on this. You know, there are things that I heard from our experts on the OSHA this week that governments can be doing right now in addition to building units. They can, Ford can get rid of, you know, put rent controls back in to stop rent evictions and to help with the housing crisis. There's a lot the governments can be doing right now with a stroke of a pen. It's not just all about building new units. Does it make sense to give heritage recognition to the brass rail? Bob Reed, I get it. It's kind of prudish to think, no, no, it's not part of the fabric of our city. But it's also, you know, I don't know what kind of history or heritage it generally brings. Yeah, it, it's it, it's not an architecturally significant structure. It, it, if it is, uh, I don't see it. Uh, and even if it is, uh, let it be converted into into something else. F- you know, fine. Keep the keep the facade or keep the face of it, uh, and uh, and and allow uh, the market to take its course with it in the future. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it's if if it is for sale or if it's if it's being closed or something. But um, wh- you know what, what's driving it on that side. But in terms of this is something that has to be preserved for all time. Uh, I don't see it. Yeah, and it only dates in its present form. It only dates back to the 1980s. So Laura Babcock, it's not exactly like it's some sort of rip-snorting nightclub from the 1930s that we were we want to commemorate. 
Yeah, you know what? We are talking about having to have densification and having to have urgent increase in our housing supply in a wartime effort. Uh, and to Bob's point about the retrofit, if it's not historically significant uh, as a building, then let's let's give it some other use possibilities. The the fact of the matter is, you know, we've made mistakes in North America of tearing down what little heritage buildings and facades that we have. I'm all for preserving, you know, part of that in our cities so that there's more sense of community and all the good stuff we see when we visit Europe. Um, but, you know, we, uh, the brass rail, I don't think it, it meets the, the bar, to pardon the pun. Yeah, Pavan, I mean, if we start with the brass rail, I guess we've got to do Zanzibar as well. <laughs> they're all they're all up for discussion. You know, I can't believe that a city that's focused on renaming pretty much everything is even considering this. So, you know, I think uh, I think a plaque would do. And that's the end of it. What do we make of the, they don't even identify him, but we can assume he's this Toronto hockey player who was involved in a fatal collision during a hockey game in the UK where his skate connected with another player's neck and that player has died. But uh, Bob Reed you know, I've looked at the video, which is uh, heart-wrenching, but I, I don't see it as a del- deliberate act, which I think it would have to be. Yeah, that's that's the exact same question that I had. Is 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 there any indication in there of of intent or just plain recklessness, uh, knowing recklessness to the point uh, that it end up costing uh, costing the other fellow's life? I, I I don't see it. I think that's a really high bar to get across. So it'll be interesting to follow this and see uh, if if it eventually leads to a conviction. And and the other thing, you know, and any time there's something really really tragic and really you know one off in its in its nature uh i always ask what what is the point of of laying a charge and putting this through the courts uh, you know is it it is there a deterrent factor that's that's being sought here because again by every description it was a freak accident it was a horrific thing um i i don't see the uh, the sort of end game of of this being uh, being put through the courts although pavan there is a possibility i guess that police and prosecutors when they look at the video think that the player was trying to land his skate perhaps on the chest of the player but missed yeah, it's such a tough one. It's such that it is the beautiful sport before violence starts, and and obviously the nature of it has changed so much over the last uh, few decades uh, in terms of it becoming a much more physical sport. And uh, but you know, obviously the police have taken time and they've 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 looked at tapes and maybe they've looked at also some background and and they may have information that we don't obviously have access to right now. So uh, I I can't bring myself to watch it specifically, but uh, you know, uh, people have described the the move by the leg as being unusual usual or uncharacteristic. So so I guess it's just perfect that we let the courts figure it out and see what, what the truth is. Not a lot of time on the clock, but I didn't want to neglect this particular topic. And it's new figures that suggest Toronto is one of the loneliest places in Canada. And I don't think we should ever underestimate what people have been calling a loneliness epidemic. In North America, half of people live alone. So Laura Babcock, it's very much about our collective mental health. 
Oh, is it ever? And I have to tell you, coming back from our, our sort of epic month in Europe uh, this summer, I was quite depressed. You know, when you come into the Toronto airport, everything is gray, everything is grim. You go downtown Toronto, everything is blue and gray and grim. We haven't figured out what Tokyo did 30 years ago when I was there, which is, you know, putting up colored neon lights can actually make everything seem happier, right? Uh, it's it's very grim. And I you look at the Montreal new ad they have out about how they do winter differently, and they make it look colorful and bright and full of community. And I just feel as though Toronto, we've siloed ourselves in these condo towers. A lot of people leave at the end of the day. Uh, there isn't a sense of, you know, that kind of robust community feeling that you get in some other places, even here in Canada. So we need to work on that, you know, because people are alone and we're heading into the loneliest months. And Bob Reed, I, I like what Laura is saying, which is that we don't in this city tend to have a collective culture. Like people don't go out and sit with strangers in a park or in France, in Paris, as a matter of fact, you go to a restaurant by yourself, they'll sit you at a table with somebody you don't know. Mm-hmm. And and the, the the cafe culture in in Paris, yeah, and and so many other cities that have it that we don't. And I, you know, I think Laura's onto something there with the with the bleak factor. I, I hadn't really considered that, but I, I think I think that is definitely something. I think it's certainly a holdover from the pandemic, the shift to working at home, and that that lack of uh, of of mandated uh, interaction and 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 social uh, social connections. That that come from uh, you know the work experience in the before times. Um, you look at the path uh, system downtown that is that is so desolate now with so many offices being empty, uh, and I think you also layer on uh, the traffic difficulties in Toronto because as Laura said people tend to you know leave work and go home if they if they are working downtown because yeah because it's gonna take you two hours to get home so you're not sticking around for for uh, for, for you know, social time. Thank you all for this pop and brunch Bob Reed Laura Babcock Bob's right about that well it's my favorite lyric my favorite stupid lyric that I can't shake out of my head from the police jump like lemmings into tiny metal boxes Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.